This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Show. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joined today by a very good friend of the show who you've heard uh, on the air with me many times before, Brad Bannon, who runs Bannon Communications Research, which is a polling, message development, and media firm which helps labor unions, progressive issue groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. Brad is also a senior advisor to and contributing editor for Tiller4u.com, which is the social media network for politics. That's T-I-L-L-E-R, the number 4-Y-O-U.com. Check that out during the break. He also lectures in political science at Salem State University in Salem, Massachusetts. If you'd like to follow him on Twitter, which I highly recommend, his handle is at Brad Bannon, just B-R-A-D-B-A-N-N-O-N, and his website is BannonCR.com. Brad, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Hey, Mark. How are you today? Good, good. Very good. I'm just uh, happy we're able to uh, get together as always. And I was actually happy to uh, have you on today because I wanted to talk to you about a little bit of a kind of more of an abstract question, which I think, uh, you know, if anybody can handle in the political world, you can kind of pulling back and looking at the big picture. I think sometimes it's very easy, especially in, you know, the election to just get, um, you know, very focused in on the news of the day and your specific issues that you've been following and really get deep into the weeds, which I think, as you know, Brad, many of the general electorate and the general public doesn't follow these things as closely as people in our world do. You know, we're hanging on every single headline, every single word, it seems, whereas other people kind of, you know, focus in and then come back out based on, you know, their own lives and their interests. So um, the piece that I wanted to start off with today and get your opinion on, Brad, it's a little bit longer, so I'll try to get through it quickly, but it was a piece at the Daily Co's website called What If Trump Is Just a Distraction? And I'm going to read from it. It says, wait, what am I saying? There is no if. Trump is a distraction. It's like when you're driving down the road looking at an accident over on one side and wham, a car pulls in front of you and you rear end it because you weren't paying attention. And it's your fault, too. It's always the fault of the guy in the back for not focusing on the road ahead. 
I'm saying this as nice as I know how to the readers and leaders here at Daily Co's. It's time to freaking focus. And also, I I did edit out some language, so it's good on radio. But uh, if you want to read it, you'll notice uh, my edits. Uh, and back to the piece. It says, it's time to freaking focus. Because you know what happens when we all collectively look to one side of the road to gawk? We get a country where the majority of states are controlled by Republican governors and legislatures. States where there is no expanded Medicaid. States where money for schools has been cut. States where money for programs for the elderly has been cut. States where programs that could help anyone get ahead or just keep their heads above water don't exist, unless you are already wealthy, in which case you are guaranteed more wealth. When we lose focus, we get a country with a majority of right-to-work states. And right-to-work is one of those tricky Republican word plays. These are states where companies have the right to pay their workers less than what they're worth and give them no benefits. So no union states is more of an accurate title or right to live in poverty states. This is what we get because of our apparent ADD as a country, our inability to get focused and stay focused. This, this writer says, I would bet anyone, my house and my car, that Hillary Clinton will win this presidential election without, without much help from us. I say this as someone who is not a fan of Hillary Clinton either. If the choice is Clinton or Trump, you bet your butt I'll be voting for Clinton, and so will a lot of other people who wouldn't normally vote for her. I had already committed to voting for the Democratic candidate no matter who it was, but we've gone beyond that now. This isn't right versus left or liberal versus conservative or moderate versus progressive. No, we've moved into the sane versus insane territory, and all but the lunatic fringe know that, and the lunatic fringe isn't big enough to elect a president. What they can do, though, is draw attention away from really important matters. What matters to me is getting a progressive Congress elected, a Congress who will support Clinton when she takes office, and drive through the issues that will help people like me, who also live in red states. Did Donald Trump call for some Second Amendment people to take out Clinton? No, he said this, quote, By the way, and if she gets to pick, if she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks, Trump warned. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is, I don't know. And his staff walked it back to, quote, it's called the power of unification. Second Amendment people have amazing spirit and are tremendously unified, which gives them great political power, end quote. What the Republicans seem to be able to do that the Democratic Party cannot do is to focus. Guns, gays, and God. Like lasers, Republicans focus on that, and car crashes to the sides don't distract them from their purpose. What did the Second Amendment people do after Sandy Hook? After one crazy guy went into an elementary school and used an assault weapon to kill 26 people, 20 of them little tiny kids, well, they doubled down as usual. Wayne LaPierre hired a security team, ironic, isn't it, and went off to Washington to give his now infamous, quote, only a good guy with a gun can stop a bad guy with a gun speech. When the Sandy Hook parents went to Washington to try to help get a bill passed to do something, anything, they were told, yeah, sorry, nothing we can do. Not even close to a background check loophole. The average six- and seven-year-old, which is the age of the 20 children killed in the Sandy Hook massacre, is about three and a half feet tall, and they weigh around 42 pounds. Think about that for a minute. Three and a half feet tall, and they weigh around 42 pounds. And we couldn't pass any kind of laws protecting them from the weapons manufacturing industry. Absolutely unconscionable. You want to keep talking about Trump every day, all day? Fill up the front page and the middle pages and the back as well? Be my guest. But this is what it will get us, continuing to move in this direction. More and more red on the map. More poverty, income inequality, climate change, and mass shootings. More racism, sexism, ageism, and schismism. I don't think we'll get that by focusing on Trump. We'll get there. I don't. 
will get there by electing a Democratic Congress, Democratic governors, and Democratic state legislatures. We do that by filling the pages at Daily Kos and other publications with diaries about Democrats in down-ballot races. We do that by writing diaries about voting and voters' rights. So please, I am begging. The average 6- and 7-year-old has a 10-minute attention span. Can we show some respect for the kids who have died and the ones who are living and the ones yet to be born and focus for longer than 10 minutes? For 10 hours, 10 days, 10 months, write a diary about a candidate you like. Share and comment on any diary you see about a down-ballot candidate, voting, or voters' rights. Ignore any of the other crap that may appear on your screen. I have my dream map in mind, and the only way to bring it into reality is to make it happen. I think we can do that. All we need is focus. Brad, obviously a very um, you know emotional piece. I think a strong argument made, regardless of which side you fall on this argument. What do you think of that overall argument made by the writer of this blog regarding the costs of so much of our attention being focused on Donald Trump? Well, I think uh, there has been uh, an undue focus on Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, the reality is because of Trump, uh, this has become a personality contest, uh, not a contest of ideologies. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I would agree with it to that extent. There's, you know, the, Trump really has, you know, made the, the presidential race pretty much issueless. It's really come down to whether or not Trump has the temperament to be an effective commander-in-chief or whether he has the qualifications to be an effective commander-in-chief. It really doesn't have much to do with health care or even the economy. Uh, it's very much a personality contest, and that's unfortunate. Uh, because I think because of that, we aren't discussing uh, issues that are important to the future of America, you know, changes in the economy, changes in the political system. So, uh, yeah, I would say that's a real problem. Uh, uh, you know, I think, first of all, I think the focus is going to change fairly soon. Uh, I think uh, the last few weeks of this campaign, a lot of it will focus on the down-ballot races uh, because I see signs right now uh, just looking at uh, the media that there's a growing recognition, rightly or wrongly, uh, that uh, Hillary is probably going to win this thing. And since much of the media has already fixated on that, I think they're going to spend more time looking at the down ballot race uh, and the issues in the campaign. Uh, the other thing, I guess, my reaction to the article was the reality is down ballot races are the captives of, of the presidential race. Uh, the outcome of the down-ballot races uh, very much is influenced, especially in a presidential year, uh, by the two candidates. Um, a good example of that is that uh, right now, uh, because Trump's so low in the water, uh, he has really brought down uh, the standing of many uh, Republican uh, Senate uh, candidates. Uh, mostly incumbents, uh, you know, the uh, Kelly Ayotte in uh, New Hampshire, Pat Toomey uh, in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, you know, and uh, Rob Portman in Ohio. And the reality is there's going to, if the race stays the way it is, 
races now, there is going to be a shakeup in the down ballot races uh, because I think the uh, I think uh, Trump right now is dragging down the entire GOP ticket um, all the way down to state legislative races. And you can see that already. Uh, the reality is, I think, look at the Koch brothers. They're a good example of what's going on here. Uh, they have refused uh, to contribute any money uh, to Trump. Uh, I don't think they like him very much. They also think he's a lost cause. So right now they're taking all their money and pouring it into U.S. Senate races because I increasingly hear Republicans saying, and some very publicly actually, that the important thing now uh, is to make sure uh, that there's a Republican Senate still around to keep Hillary in check uh, when she becomes president. Uh, so I think we're getting to that pretty clear uh, pretty soon if we I think we started already uh, and I you know the reality is again that the down ballot races are very much influenced by what happens on the top of the ticket um, always have been always will and that's I think a good point you bring up Brad I want to talk to you after we come back from this break regarding another point you brought up in, in the middle of uh, you know your your points there which is that a lot of people in the media are kind of making the assumption that Hillary is going to defeat, you know, Trump in the presidential election. And President Obama actually commented on that uh, today, I believe it was, saying that the Democrats need to, quote, run scared um, at a fundraiser in Martha's Vineyard. And we can't afford to, uh, you know, assume that she's going to win because there's a risk then of complacency in getting out the vote efforts, people actually getting out to vote and fundraising. And he highlighted how unpredictable this political season has been as uh, evidence that Trump could definitely still win, which I think is a great point to highlight. So we're going to get Brad's opinion on that, the potential complacency, uh, once we get back. And I'm also going to play a little bit of devil's advocate to the piece regarding if the goal is to get a Democratic Congress and as many Democratic governors and state legislatures as possible, then... A question of whether focusing on Trump's negatives is actually a good thing. So we're going to get Brad's takes on that and yours when we get back. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, the number to join us is 8886-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall along with Brad Bannon. Leslie will be back live from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, so we've got about 40 minutes left with you. Again, the number to join us is 888-653-7543, and we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joined by good friend of the show, Brad Bannon. Brad, before the break, I was starting to ask you a question that you actually brought up regarding some in the media and, you know, I think some voters 
starting to, I think, prematurely, uh, in some instances, assume that Hillary Clinton is going to uh, win the presidency. And President Obama, at a fundraiser in Martha's Vineyard, I believe it was today, if not it was yesterday, said the Democrats need to, quote, run scared because of the risk of complacency and get-out-the-vote efforts, as well as fundraising, uh, increasing the chances that Trump could actually be elected. And the president highlighted the the unpredictability of this election cycle is evidence that anything can still happen. So, um, number one, I think those risks are real, but I want to get your take on that. And number two, how do uh, does the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democrats counter that, essentially, Brad? Well, uh, I think the president is right. Uh, you can't take anything for granted in American politics. Uh, I've been in this business a long time, and strange things happen in American politics. All of a sudden, you go in and the you know all the you know for a long time the wind's blowing in one direction, uh, and you're getting close to your goal, and then all of a sudden the wind changes direction and it's pushing you back. Uh, and I would be almost first of all, let me say two things. First of all, I do think uh, when we get uh, when all said and done, Hillary Clinton is going to win. I just think uh, it's hard for me to see how Donald Trump uh, puts together the necessary 270 electoral votes. Um, he's right now, he's even hurting in Republican states like Texas, Utah, uh, Arizona, Georgia. Uh, so, but I will guarantee you, I would guarantee you only, at, you know, money that at some point the winds will change uh, and Donald Trump will make a strong push uh, and get closer uh, uh, to Hillary Clinton than he is now. And the reason I think that is because Americans uh, at some point they're going to say, okay, well, you know, it looks like Hillary Clinton's going to be president. Um, do I really want that? Uh, maybe I should take another look at the other guy to see if I can possibly bring myself to vote for him. And, and Americans, you know, a lot of time, you know, they make a decision, then they have buyer's remorse and say, well, you know, maybe I wasn't right about, uh, you know, my support for Clinton. Maybe I should take a look at it again and look at the other guy. That almost always happens. Uh, so I think, one, Hillary Clinton will win. Uh, but, two, I think Trump will make a strong run at some point and get closer to Hillary Clinton uh, than he is now. And I think that the Clinton people know that. I don't see any sign that they're they're slowing up uh, or, do, or, you know, you know, pulling back. In fact, it looks to me that the Clinton people are being very aggressive. Uh, for example, uh, they have uh, basically stopped their advertising uh, in Virginia, um, where you know a new poll has her fourteen points up, and that, they're using that money to go into uh, Georgia and Arizona, uh, which are almost always vote Republican. Uh, but uh, Donald Trump is flipping in those states, so they're trying to expand the electoral vote uh, map and uh, spending money where Trump in a Republican state. All right, Brad, we got our heartbreak coming up here. We'll get right back to that point after this quick commercial break. This is Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. 
Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joined by Brad Bannon. Brad runs Bannon Communications Research, which is a polling, message development, and media firm which helps labor unions, progressive issue groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. You can follow him on Twitter at Brad Bannon. And we're going to go to a call in just a minute, Brad, but I wanted to give you a chance to uh, finish the point you were making before we had to go to break. So uh, go ahead. Yeah, I just, uh, I, you know, again, I understand um, the president's concern, um, but I think Democrats are taking this thing very seriously, uh, partly because of the dangers uh, they feel Donald Trump presents uh, to the future of this nation. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think it will work out if everybody keeps working hard. Uh, and uh, so, uh, but the president's right. We should all be very careful. And then uh, one point that was made in that piece I initially read from the Daily Kos entitled, What if Trump is just a distraction, uh, you know, was kind of talking about the, the perils of focusing on Trump, how it could affect the down ballot. But to play devil's advocate to the piece and something you slightly alluded to, uh, you know, if the goal is to get a Democratic Congress and as many Democratic governors and state legislatures as possible, then isn't focusing on Trump's negatives a good thing, considering what a potential drag he could be on the Republican ticket nationwide, Brad? Absolutely, because the reality is he is a drag on the Republican ticket. Uh, he's already uh, put several uh, Republican U.S. Senate incumbents in grave danger. I mean, a good example, yesterday, uh, Kelly Ayotte, who is the Republican senator from New Hampshire, uh, she's uh, running uh, the governor, Margie Hassan, a Democrat, is running against Ayotte. Uh, and right now, you know, Trump, uh, Hillary Clinton has one poll showed a 15% lead uh, in New Hampshire. That was last week. And Kelly Ayotte has no idea how to deal with Trump. So yesterday she said, uh, I'm going to vote for Trump, but I'm not going to support him. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, it means that Trump has you know, tied up all the GOP Senate candidates into not and making their lives miserable. So Trump will have, you know, you know, beating up on Trump uh, will have an effect on the down ballot races. It may have more effect than anything else. So, Brad, um, we want to go to uh, a good friend of the show, Reggie in Georgia, who kind of, you know, wanted to comment on this dynamic of the positives and negatives of the Democratic down ballot races. Um, and priorities uh, with so much media attention focused on Trump. So, um, Reggie, go ahead with your thoughts, and thanks for joining us. Well, happy Tuesday to both you and Brad, Mark. Uh, hey, Reggie, how are you? How you, how you doing, Brad? Just like, okay, I would just like to know that if Trump is such a big, top-heavy distraction to everybody, then why do they keep covering him? That includes the Internet, talk radio, and television. Well, I, mean, they keep covering? I think the reason, and Brad, I'll let you tackle this as well, but I think the reason is is because of the problem with how the media's priorities are driven, which is all profit ratings. You know, online it's called, you know, clickbait, basically what will get people to click on the stories and on television as well. And I think you see, um, you know, essentially a lot of people having um, – you know, focused issues on Trump because he's such a controversial character. So people who like Trump click on the stories, people who don't like Trump click on the stories or watch the stories, and people who are just interested in 
you know, politics read the stories because they're at the top of the page. So I, I think the media for a while has had the pro- the problem of not being, you know, issue driven or talking about the issues. So this was just, you know, a softball for them. But Brad, you know, go ahead and, and give your opinion as well. Well, the short answer, Reggie, is that Donald Trump is entertaining. Uh, he is not a politician. He's not a public figure. He's an entertainer. Uh, and Americans find him entertaining. Uh, now, and that's why the networks cover him. Now, the problem is right now, the thing about Trump that's keeping Americans entertained is they're watching closely because they want to, uh, you know, they want to be there uh, the next time Trump says a stupid thing, which could be any minute now. Uh, and, you know, it was fun watching him uh, in the Republican primaries, but now Americans take a perverse pleasure in watching Trump uh, because they're, they're enjoying watching a, a national uh, a candidate for president explode uh, 24-7 on cable TV. I don't think we've ever had anything like this. Uh, now, you know, let me say one thing, though. I think there is definitely a downside uh, to the focus on Trump. What we're not hearing is much discussion of important issues facing the nation. We have a crumbling infrastructure. Uh, the economy is going through a massive change. Uh, and, we're, and the media aren't talking about the big issues facing the American public. They're talking plenty about Trump and, to a lesser extent, Hillary Clinton, but they're not talking about the big issues uh, that face this nation. And that, I think, is a real problem. Well, if you know, the other issue I wanted to talk to you about, Brad, is there's a, a new USA Today article about a new poll uh, conducted on youth voting. Um, and I want to get your take on that because it's not only applicable to this election, but also to future elections. Um, this is, again, from USA Today, and the article is entitled Young Voters Flee Donald Trump in What May Be Historic Trouncing Poll Shows. Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton is consolidating the support of millennials who fueled Bernie Sanders' challenge during the primaries, a new USA Today Rock the Vote poll finds. As Republican Donald Trump heads toward the worst showing among younger voters in modern American history, the survey shows Clinton trouncing Trump 56% to 20% among those under 35, though she has failed so far to generate the level of enthusiasm that Sanders did in the high turnout that can signal among millennials. The findings have implications for politics long past the November election. If the trend continues, the Democratic Party will have scored double-digit victories among younger voters in three consecutive elections, the first time that has happened since such data became readily available in 1952, and that could shape the political affiliations of the largest generation in American history for years to follow. In the new survey, 50% of those under 35... 50% 50% say they identify with or lean toward Democrat, the Democrats, and just 20% identify with or lean toward the Republicans, whereas 17% are independents and another 12% either identify with another party or don't know. Trump's weakness among young voters is unprecedented, lower even than the 32% of the vote that the Gallup organization calculates Richard Nixon received among 18- to 29-year-old voters in 1972, an era of youthful protests against the Vietnam War. So, Brad, what's your take on all these numbers? Well, uh, there I, I read the article, I saw the numbers, and they're absolutely true. 
Uh, if you look at any national poll that any news uh, organization does has done, uh, Trump is, you know, Hillary Clinton is clobbering Trump uh, with millennials. Now, I think there, if you look at the last two presidential elections, uh, Barack Obama uh, you know, clobbered his two Republican opponents uh, with millennials. And I think it's going to be even worse this time uh, because of the uh, dislike uh, millennials have for Donald Trump. But millennials have been, are now, and will be a solid Democrat group uh, for a long time. And that's because if you look at the attitudes of millennials on issues, uh, they are very, uh, they are very liberal on gay marriage. They are very liberal on, uh, abortion. They're basically very, not liberal, but very liberal on any social issue. And basically what Trump's doing is he's, you know, he is just riling them up and making them angry, uh, because of his hardcore stance. Uh, on, you know, abortion, gay marriage, and guns is another example. Immigration is another example. All the millennials are very pro-immigration. They're anti-gun. They're pro-choice. They're very environmentally conscious, and Trump flies in the face of that. And this is a this is a trend that's been going on for a while, but I think it's even going to be worse this time. And the millennials, I think, will be a solid Democratic group for a couple of decades unless the Republicans find a way to talk to them. And in order to talk to millennials, they have to get rid of this you know, crazy right-wing stuff on abortion, uh, guns, and the environment, you know, stop denying climate warming, for one thing, but the Republican Party seems incapable of doing that. And that's why I think the millennials are going to be a dependable group for Democrats uh, as they go grow over in the next couple of decades, and it means big trouble for Republicans, especially at the presidential level. We also saw in, in the, these numbers another important thing to bring up is that the uh, Census Bureau data released in April estimated that the number of millennials in the U.S. is 75.4 million, which just surpasses the number of aging baby boomers at 74.9 million, uh, now between 51 and 69 years old. So uh, not only are they very strong Democrat, uh, Democratic at 50% compared to Republican at 20%, but as you brought up, Brad, they are the largest um, generation right now, and they're only going to uh, have a, a stronger influence as elections continue to move forward. And I think that's important because not only does it tell us about this election, but it tells us about future elections, as you brought up. When we get back, Brad, I want to talk to you a little bit about the news that came down late Sunday regarding Donald Trump's campaign manager, Paul Manafort, uh, being investigated in Ukraine uh, for a corruption probe, um, receiving money um, from pro-Putin forces. Uh, He's basically been named in an investigation by Ukrainian authorities looking at whether he and others 
received millions in illegal payments from Ukraine's former pro-Russia ruling party, according to their uh, Ukraine's National Anti-Corruption Bureau. So we're going to get your take on that when we return, Brad. Again, this is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall, along with our good friend Brad Bannon. If you'd like to weigh in on any of these topics or anything in the news today, you can join us at 888-6LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Again, follow Brad on Twitter at Brad Bannon, B-R-A-D-B-A-N-N-O-N. And you can give me a follow if you'd like at Mark J. Grimaldi. That's G-R-I-M-A-L-D-I. And we'll be right back after this quick commercial break with our last segment. And then after that, Leslie Marshall will return. You're listening to The Leslie Marshall Show. Truth for all sides of the spectrum. 888-6-LESLIE. Leslie Marshall Show. For those of you just joining us, this is Mark Grimaldi, Leslie's executive producer, in for Leslie Marshall for just one more segment before Leslie rejoins us after her television uh, appearances. I am joined today by good friend of the show, Brad Bannon. Brad runs Bannon Communications Research. You can check out his website at BannonCR.com and follow him on Twitter at Brad Bannon. Before the break, Brad, we were just starting to delve into the news that came down on Sunday and interestingly enough got uh, tweeted out almost immediately by Trump's former campaign manager Corey Lewandowski that Trump's current campaign manager Paul Manafort is being uh, investigated. Um, He's been named in an investigation by Ukrainian authorities looking at whether he and others received millions in illegal payments from Ukraine's former pro-Russian ruling party according to Ukraine's National Anti-Corruption Bureau. First of all, what do you make of this news? I know this is a little bit, as we were saying, quote, in the weeds, but I think it's still obviously important with the news that we've seen throughout the campaign about the implications of Russia potentially hacking the DNC server and trying to influence the election on Trump's behalf. You know, there's been a lot of accusations of that, and now we see, you know, we've heard a lot of things in the background about Manafort's previous ties to pro Russian forces in Ukraine and the dictator there that he was uh, helping to consult for. And now we we get this story from a very reliable uh, New York Times writer. So what do you make of all this, Brad? Uh, It stinks to high heaven. Uh, First of all, I read the Times story on Sunday, and the money, there's pretty strong documentation that Paul Manafort... Trump's campaign manager did receive in excess of $12 million from the pro-Russian, uh, the former pro-Russian uh, government of the Ukraine. And if you look at it as part of the sequence of events, it's pretty scary. About uh, it, during the primaries, uh, Donald Trump went out of his way uh, to compliment uh, Vladimir Putin for being a strong leader. Uh, During the week of the Republican convention, uh, Donald Trump told a reporter that he would not necessarily come, as we're obligated to by treaty, uh, to come to the aid of any of our NATO partners uh, who were attacked by Russia. 
Then the next week, uh, that was the week Donald Trump asked the uh, secret uh, Soviet secret intelligence service, the KBG, uh, to uh, basically hack um, uh, Hillary Clinton and the State Department's emails. Uh, and then, I guess it was last week or the week before, uh, a reporter um, asked uh, Trump about his thoughts about uh, the relationship between uh, Russia and the Ukraine, and Trump replied, well, I don't think Russia's uh, really a serious threat to Ukraine, uh, and Trump obviously did not know or forgot uh, that the Russians have already taken about a third of the country away from the Ukraine, uh, and that's the, the uh, Crimea. And, you know, just to make it even more fun, this week, uh, Trump's daughter is vacationing in Europe with Vladimir Putin's girlfriend. Now, this, from a national security, the Russians are bad guys. They're not our friends. But it seems that Trump and Putin are, you know, BFFs, and I, I think that is very dangerous to American national security. Yeah, and we've seen, obviously, you know, a recurring themes. You just brought up, you know, a handful right there off the, the top of your head. So, obviously, this has become a theme throughout the campaign. So, to see this report about Manafort is very disturbing. And also, with the Republican uh, National uh, Committee during their actual, when they were putting out their platform, if you remember, there was a story that there was language about providing lethal weapons to Ukraine to defend themselves if they were attacked by Russia, which they've already been. And after Manafort got some calls, they went in and, and advised the committee to take that provision out, which was considered a very non-controversial provision, uh, you know, in the Republican platform. And then it was taken out. And when Trump was asked about that, that's when he had the gaffe. Uh, it was George Stephanopoulos who was questioning him, I believe. And that's when he had the gaffe saying, you know, I guarantee you Putin's not going and Russia's not going to invade Ukraine. And then that's when Stephanopoulos, as you brought up, said, well, didn't they already do that? So I, I think it's quite disturbing when you look at these trends from, as you said, a national security standpoint. And that's been a big weakness for Trump with the comments that he's made. He tried to walk them back in his his uh, foreign policy speech yesterday, trying to make it sound as if his threat to not support our NATO allies somehow sprung them into action with anti-terrorism uh, you know, um, group that they were starting to develop. But I think at, at this point, He's already kind of lost that argument. So as we move closer, Brad, the, the final thing I wanted to bring up is the debates, because we heard today the the criteria that the um, the president, the committee that uh, runs the presidential debates will have in order to have uh, people participate in the debates, which is a little more important than usual this year, because you have Gary Johnson polling at about 10 percent in some major polls and Jill Stein at about 5 percent they would need to get up to 15% in the average of five major polls in order to join the debates. Um, I don't think that's necessarily going to going to happen. But the other question about who might not be there is Donald Trump, because he's already made these allegations about the NFL schedule, which proved to be false. He never received a letter. So we've only got a minute left, Brad. But over under here, do you think Trump's going to participate in all three of the debates, or do you think there's a chance he's going to try to back out of one or more of them? I think he'll back out of one more of them. Uh, because he's basically afraid of Hillary Clinton barbecuing him on national primetime television uh, over three nights. 
And, yeah, I think he'll do everything he can to get out of them because Hillary Clinton, if they have a chance to go face-to-face, is going to talk about every, uh, you know, statement that Donald Trump has made, like the NATO one you talked about, and then gone back on. And Trump is deathly afraid of that, so it wouldn't surprise me a bit if uh, Trump chickened out. Brad, thank you very much for joining us today. You can always read Brad's work right on uh, his website, BannonCR.com, B-A-N-N-O-N-C-R.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Brad Bannon. That's B-R-A-D-B-A-N-N-O-N. You can follow me on Twitter, at Mark J. Grimaldi. That's G-R-I-M-A-L-D-I. This has been Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. 